1: Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, April 2nd, 2018, episode 31. This is Tom coming to you once again from Washington, D.C., and Nick is joining me from the Houston Outpost in our nation's Red Basket. What is Texas called? Hey, Nick. Hey. I don't know what Texas is called except for its own
0: republic, so I don't know about Red Basket or not. It's America. Yeah. Well... Um, well, sort of. There's America, and then there's Texas, if you ask anybody down here. And I'm not going to argue with them,
1: because there's very lenient gun laws. So we have sweated bullets coming up with our headlines for this week. There is a dearth of information, but Le'Veon keeps on giving, which is why we named this podcast The Ungrateful Nation.
0: And who are we referring to? Is it the nation of people bashing Le'Veon, or is it... Levion and his incendiary tweets. I don't know. Maybe it's up to you. Beauty's an eye of the beholder. Well, I
1: did read a little something on the internet that uh, parallels Levion with Kirk Cousins. Hmm. They're both from Michigan State. Oh, there you go. They've both been, they've both been franchised two times. But uh, Kirk has been quite diplomatic on his end, and Levion just keeps turning up the heat. The latest tweet... I'll quote this. Hopefully it's correct. Yes, I'm looking at it. It's so hard to be a hero in a city that paints you out to be the villain.
0: Yep. That's the big news of the week. That doesn't feel good. No. So what do you think? I mean Steelers Nation was pretty much rightfully so outraged as they often become when anything happens in the news, particularly when it comes to Le'Veon just poking the bear. But uh, they're pretty mad about that. Hard to be a hero in a city that paints you as the villain. This, of course, came in response to Steelers Nation getting mad upon hearing the news that Le'Veon's contract number that he is looking for is seventeen million dollars a year, which is equal to what Antonio Brown makes. Now, remember the the next highest paid running back makes nine million. So we were thinking fourteen, fifteen. That was already a lot. Turns out the guy wants seventeen million. So Steelers Nation, you know, blue-collar town, everything like that, they uh, did not take super kindly to that.
1: They don't have a lot of patience for a complainer, a whiner. The guy's got more money on the table than he could ever hope for, and it's not enough. And again, who knows? We get no information. We don't know what's on in the inside. Is this a negotiating ploy? Uh, you and I were talking offline earlier today in prep for this podcast, and I was just pointing out Kirk Cousins, so diplomatic. He kept his powder dry. He didn't cause any animosity in his uh, his former town. Uh, yeah, but Kirk,
0: didn't, Kirk had all the leverage. Le'Veon doesn't have leverage. All Kirk had to do was sit there and watch the money roll in. I mean, I'm sure he wanted a long-term contract in Washington, and for whatever reasons, those idiots didn't want to give it to him. I was definitely there at the beginning. You remember saying that they need to sign this guy. He's a quarterback who's capable of winning a Super Bowl. I'm not saying he's ever going to be Ben Roethlisberger or – aaron Rodgers or something like that but this guy can be a top 12 type quarterback in the league and they didn't want to sign him to the long-term deal or i guess he didn't he didn't agree to whatever they had proposed as well so he bet on himself a little bit but now you know he's a quarterback he has all the leverage in the world he's the third everyone knew he was going to be the 30 million dollar man before he even happened um and he had bidders lining up for him Le'Veon's got a a bit of a difficult situation here being a running back and not having that type of leverage and uh, especially with the injury risks being much higher the prime being much shorter and stuff like that but I gotta say Steelers Nation is right to be angry about this because Le'Veon is is digging his own grave with these tweets I can't blame him for looking for the money that he deserves um, but I can't blame Steelers Nation for being angry about this guy getting too deep into the comments and then What what does he think he's going to get out of that? Like, what kind of response are you going to get?
1: Well, look, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because the Steelers are going to do what the Steelers feel they need to do from a business perspective. He'll get some kind of money. He'll be franchise tagged. He'll be on the field. Who knows what? He'll be on the field before the end of training camp. But um, what I'm really interested in is what is the crowd reaction when he takes the field for the first game?
0: Well, when he scores three touchdowns in the first half or whatever, I think they'll get over it pretty quickly. I mean, exactly. but you're right. No, it, 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 will, be, um, it will be interesting. I, and I hope that they don't do anything crazy like boo him or whatever. Like, don't take this too far. Like I said, I am dying to see Le'Veon Bell in a Steelers uniform for the rest of his career, not just because uh, for an emotional sense, but the guy is a complete game changer at many different levels. Is he worth $17 million a year? For three or four or five years, there's no way in hell, absolutely not. Now look at this question this way. That's how much A B makes. So for the past few years, and maybe for this this next year, maybe for the upcoming years, is Le'Veon Bell when he's on the football field as valuable as Antonio Brown? One hundred percent, yes, absolutely. He makes more offense than A B makes a lot of the time. And the thing about him is. With A.B., every once in a while, you can get a game where he only has four or five touches. No matter what, you can feed Levy on the ball 30 times, right? He is that valuable. But at the end of the day, he's a running back. His yards per carry dropped basically 25% already this year. And you can't pay a guy $17 million a year when he's, you know got the kind of mileage he has. And I don't mind paying him $17 million this year. But three years from now, that's something that the Steelers can't have happen. So hopefully they can find a deal that gets him a lot of money up front that he can be happy with and then makes it easier for the Steelers to get out of at the end of the deal if uh, if necessary. But I hope they get him signed All up. Right. It just does not look like it's going to happen at this point. $17 million is
1: the number. All right. Let me look at my list. Episode number check, date check, welcome, the listeners check, welcome, Nick check, Le'Veon check. Okay. Let's move on now. I think we've taken care of the Le'Veon question. In Big headline this week. Number changes. Number change. Joe Hayden, Roethlisberger. Joe, Hayden, oh. sorry. Joe Hayden finds an opening and dies on the, to number 21. 23, sorry. moved from 21 yeah. to 23 as soon as the, the body wasn't even cold yet.
0: <laughs> sorry, he said, Mike Coach,
1: um, are you guys going to do anything with that jersey?
0: Yeah, he didn't even have to pay for it. He tried to pay Mike Mitchell when he got to Pittsburgh. Obviously, 23 is... Uh, Joe Hayden's number, long-time number from Cleveland. Many Pro Bowl seasons with that number. I don't blame him for taking it. Sean Davis switches from 28 to 21, uh, which was a number at Maryland, I believe, and in honor of his boyho- uh, boyhood hero, Sean Taylor. He's a Maryland boy, so that's cool. Whatever. Just figured I'd let you guys know that um, it's not Robert Golden out there missing tackles. It's Sean Davis. I thought it was Roberto Clemente. Anyway. Anyway. He needs to learn about Roberto Clemente probably.
1: So very interesting. Games. We've been going through week after week uh, analyzing some of the draft possibilities for the Steelers. And the Steelers need help right away on defense. Although we got a little relief with uh, um, John Bostick and Burnett. Mortgage. Morgan Burnett. <laughs> I'll be doing that hey, all season. Got to,
0: as far when when you've accumulated the number of years that
1: you have watching and cheering for the Steelers, these, these guys got to earn their way into your memory. I don't blame you. I'm going to keep his name reversed. You'll know what I'm talking about. But the question is, now, now that the heat's off of defense, it's not, it's not like we have replaced Ryan Cheesier certainly by a long shot. But maybe there's a, a slight upgrade to at um, the safety position. What do you do now? More possibilities open up. Some on offense. The question we had is, who's going to be able to show up and start from either game one or certainly shortly into the season?
0: Yeah. So. Um, you've seen guys recently like Juju, Martavis, and Le'Veon come in on the offensive side of the ball and make a huge impact right away. And honestly, you've seen guys come in on the defensive side of the ball and do the same thing. Now, they haven't been star players like those guys have, but when you get Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, even Bud Dupree early and TJ Watt uh, getting in there as starters, they plug holes so you don't have to have a Sean Spence in there or Arthur Motz or something like that or Antoine Blake who already burns replaced. So I think that what happened with the acquisition of these two players on defense means it takes the pressure off the absolute burning need to take a safety or linebacker, because you'll be good to go with this defense um, with Burnett and Bostic. It's better than the one you put on the field against the Jaguars. But I don't think that means like the draft strategy isn't changing. They're still going to take a safety or linebacker in the first round and they should, you should put some competition there. You need some depth. Obviously, we saw last year. Um, but just this maybe opens it up to the possibility that if your safety or linebacker isn't available in the draft, you could take a sweet tight end or defensive lineman who maybe fell to you, a la Juju from last year. So it just gives you flexibility. So but I still think they're going to take who- a safety or linebacker, honestly. I hope they do. What would be the first offensive player you take? Wide receiver is definitely the first offensive player they got to take. Unless something crazy happens. Now, with all the Le'Veon stuff, everybody's dying for the Steelers to rescind the franchise tag and take Sonny Michelle or Darius Geis in the first round. I don't think Darius Geis is going to get to them, even though he did have an official visit with the Steelers. He is a fantastic running back from LSU. But if that guy somehow fell all the way to 28, you would have a question on your hands. Because that guy, you know, you have... No burning holes left in the secondary or the linebackers anymore. Although, like I said, I still think you need to fill them. But if someone like Geis fell, it's like that's your running back for the next six years or so. Maybe you do take a guy like that. But really, we need a wide receiver because all we got is A, B, Juju, and Marty. Eli Rogers tore his ACL in the last game of the season. He's not really going to be ready for this year. And then after this year, Martavis is gone, so you need to get another guy through the pipeline. I'm thinking we're going receiver in the third.
1: Yeah, and getting rid of on at this point is is wasted money. I mean, it's money you can't use, given the free agents that – I mean, there isn't a uh, a free agent out there that we're dying to have. So
0: you're yeah, sitting on some money. Up. Yeah, no, you and, and you absolutely want to keep him for this year. He's your, he's your best shot at a Super Bowl. It's just naive to think otherwise. Now, if a guy's falls to you and maybe it, – it would just be weird – not playing Geis a lot his first year because with this Le'Veon thing if you are going to lose him you do want to I mean I think that I don't think they determine Le'Veon's touches by like hey we want to make sure we use him up before he goes I think that they just try and win games and they give him the ball a lot because he's the man and he can handle that kind of stuff but it would be weird to get a Darius Geis and have him kind of sit on the bench a little bit but uh, and kind of waste his first year a little bit behind Le'Veon but uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could really set you up. So once Le'Veon leaves, you still could have this offensive juggernaut.
1: But I don't so think So we before happening. before we move into our draft preview, we wanted to thank you for listening. We appreciate you listening to our show. We do this show because of you and because we don't want to watch Villanova run up the score on Michigan tonight. But We do this podcast each week, even in the off-season, as you're experiencing right now. So if you haven't subscribed, and I know many of you have, and you like what you hear, please subscribe. And we are committed to giving you a new episode each Tuesday. And we are dying for your feedback. So please subscribe and give us some feedback. Please do. Nick. I have one more thing
0: to add about the the draft. I know these thoughts are kind of scatterbrained, and we're going to get into another positional preview after this. But we got to address the quarterback elephant in the room. The rumors, the fires of rumor are burning. They're burning a hole in the collective cranium of Steelers Nation. There's loud, I wouldn't say whispers, but yells that we're going to draft Mason Rudolph or uh, Lamar Jackson in the first round. They've had a lot of contact with the two quarterbacks. Kevin Colpert and Mike Tomlin have said repeatedly that You know, maybe it's on the table, maybe it's not. They're clearly trying to play the media one way or another, or the rest of the NFL one way or another. If we take a quarterback in the first round, put me on suicide watch. If we take Mason Rudolph in the first round, don't even put me on suicide watch. I will already be dead because that would be the dumbest thing the Steelers could possibly do. Mason Rudolph is the sixth best quarterback in a class like – of intriguing prospects but no one even as good as who was out last year okay you don't just randomly take a guy because oh there's a quarterback there we take him no we're trying to win the super bowl now in those first two rounds probably the first three rounds we need to take guys who are going to contribute right away to the super bowl window the patriots are weak as they can you know as weak as they can be and it, it is the best time for the band to stick together we got everyone back we need to win now we're not taking a freaking quarterback it would it would Easy cause me great pain, up. but I also don't think we're Easy. gonna do it. Easy.
1: All right. Let's let's pivot here and let's take a look at our draft preview. Today we are looking at interior defensive linemen. I love it. We've we've adjusted our vernacular. We're no longer speaking of nose tackle or defensive tackles. Interior defensive linemen. I know you've taken a look at that this week, Nick. Why don't we uh Start up with our first contestant. Well, before you get into the first one, I'm just gonna I'm I'm doing this a little differently this week.
0: We are gonna look at two specific schools, actually Alabama and Miami, because I'm convinced they're taking a defensive lineman from one of these two schools for a couple reasons. Number one, the entire Steelers brain trust was at the Alabama Pro Day. Um, That's Colbert Tomlin. Carl Dunbar, who is our new defensive line coach, who, oh yeah, was the defensive line coach at Alabama this past year. Um, everybody. Offense corner, defense corner, everybody in the Steelers. Not at all. So everybody was there. Obviously, I think they were looking at Rashawn Evans, who's my hopeful first round pick for the Steelers, the middle linebacker. And there's also the safety there who they were looking at, but there's a couple defensive linemen there who I think we're going to take a look at. And then Coach Dunbar went to University of Miami's Pro Day as well, and they have three defensive line prospects, a couple of them falling in the mid-rounds, which will really fit what the Steelers need. So let's start with Alabama. There's two guys. Big name is Deron Payne, the big man. He's kind of like a fringe first-round guy to some people, probably a second-round, maybe early second-round type guy. So I'd be surprised if we took him. Um he had a monster game in the national championship. Basically, he, he's, he's an Alabama defensive lineman. He's got fantastic hand usage, and he can really get after the QB. He kind of resembles like a Stefan Tuitt type guy. Big, tall, giant guy who doesn't always use all of his strength and his power, but when he flashes, he can be a real beast. He's not one of the top two or three defensive linemen in the draft class, but if he falls, he could be a pick for the Steelers. So Deron Payne, that's the first guy. The second guy who I'm convinced the Steelers are going to take is a late-round guy, like a 6th or 7th-round type guy, and his name is Joshua Fraser. They've already had a pro-day dinner with this guy, which is really indicative of the chances of the Steelers taking a player. Like, everyone they've drafted from the past almost 10 years has had a pro-day dinner with them, and that list is usually kind of small. And if you look back at past lists, you can see, like, oh, they – Here's all the people that we ended up taking on those dinners. So he is, you know, I don't see the Steelers taking a defensive lineman in their first three picks. I think that's one of those situations where if a good one falls to them, they would love to have it. But I definitely see them taking one later. And this Joshua Frazier, he's a big boy. He's basically like a Dan McCullers. And I know they just signed Dan McCullers, but this guy will be perfect to bring in and challenge him. He was a little bit of an underachiever at Alabama, but his senior year he paid, played a key backup role and did well for the team. And like I said, he's got the connection with Carl Dunbar, our new defensive line coach. So I'm thinking we're going to take Joshua Frazier late
1: in the draft. All right, so uh, big boy. It looks like our our entire draft uh, board for interior lineman consists of the two schools you mentioned, because the next three all are from Florida. Yep, specifically well, Miami
0: right there is a bonus at the end that i will give you guys but i'm convinced we're taking a guy from miami or from bama so the first guy there is rj mcintosh he's predicted to be more of a high pick type guy you know second third round second rounder they're thinking he's of course gigantic just realize all these people are giant they're defense linemen what i like about him is he wore number 80 so he's got some swag to him i don't know if he thinks he's jerry rice or something I like a mix of confident and delusional. It sounds like this guy has one. He's the best athlete of this Miami bunch, but he the word on the street is he's, he came out too early, kind of like uh, Artie Burns from the same school a couple of years ago. He needs to add some weight and strength, so he's a bit of a developmental prospect. I don't think the Steelers are going to get him. He, he's probably a little too high for them. Now this next guy is Chad Thomas. And the most important thing you need to know about Chad Thomas is he plays nine freaking instruments. Tuba, euphonium, sousaphone, guitar, bass, drums, all the regular ones. That's all you need to know. The things this man could do for the morale of the team. He could give Le'Veon some beats. Maybe Le'Veon would stay because he's got a beat man. Maybe he'll go down from 15 million to 16.2 because he's got a beat man with Chad Thomas. Now, this dude... He is kind of the third best prospect of the group, so I probably should have gone out of order there. But he's a really good athlete, but he's a total project. He's a 6'6 six, six tower of a man. And he might be kind of like an outside linebacker prospect. I would hate this pick because, as you know, I do not believe in the Steelers' ability to develop prospect-type guys. That means high-athletic uh, players who didn't have a ton of production, a la Bud Dupree. Please do not take this guy. The last guy who I think we will take is Kendrick Norton. Okay? The only problem with him is he's got offensive lineman face. He's got like like defensive linemen need to look kind of mean. Even Cam Hayward's like a nice, handsome, put together man, but he looks like a jerk in his pictures. This dude has offensive lineman face. He's he's too nice. He's like soft eyes. Can't trust him. I mean, maybe you can trust him, and that's the problem. I don't want to trust my defensive lineman. But besides the physical, he's a space eater. He is a tubster. He's no Cam Hayward, but he could be the kind of guy who could occupy a couple blocks. He's not really a playmaker, but he gets a little bit of a push. He doesn't really fit the Steelers draft profile because they do actually like taking those freak athletes who they have no idea how to develop. But I would kind of like a guy who could also come in there and challenge McCullers. So those that's it for I, uh, the Miami guys.
1: One comment about um, Kendrick Norton. You know who his grandfather was? Yes, I do. But why don't you tell the people? Uh, former heavyweight champion, Kenny Norton. That's right. Passing down the athleticism. And you know what's probably
0: even more valuable? He is the son of newly hired Cleveland defensive coordinator, Ken Norton. Inside info? I think so. I quoted that from NFL.com, by the way. We're looking at his profile up there on the draft site. Look okay. at Oakland, Oakland defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, Oakland. I'm so sorry. I said Cleveland. I got Cleveland on the brain that that for really some reason. We got to you way, gotta watch them in the way. rear view. Yeah. Yeah, no, we don't care. So, he's got, the, so like, he's got the – defense is like, please hold on for dear life and try and stop somebody and eventually just don't. Okay, last guy. Again, I don't totally think we're going to get this guy because he is one of those small school dudes who shot up like a rocket. I – Definitely can't take any credit for finding this guy because pretty much everyone's on him now since the senior bowl and um, the combine. But Nathan Shepard is from Fort Hayes State. This dude is a Canadian. He grew up in Canada, so kind of lightly recruited. But this dude is a monster. He's 24 years old, so he's a little old. But he's 6'5", 3'15", and he was a beast. He literally consumed people and threw them aside like a little city of ants. He did not care about the well-being of people. He's a freak. He's a beast athlete. Obviously, the downside for him is there's zero competition. I mean, it's Division Two. Nobody could hold a candle to him. And he really only had 38 tackles and four sacks. So you'd like to see more dominant numbers. But honestly, again, a little shout-out to Chris Sims. They don't have a – I'll keep it PG here. But they, there's no stat for just messing up the play. Like if the running back's trying to run to the left side and Nathan Shepard – eats the tackle and throws the guard onto the ground and the running back has to cut it back and somebody else gets the tackle. Nathan Shepard doesn't get a stat for that, but he's really the reason why that play didn't succeed. And He does stuff like that all the time. He's probably, he might be a first round guy at this point, so I don't think the Steelers would get him, but maybe he's one of those situations if you don't get the linebacker or the safety, he might fall to you. He might be like, screw it, we're just going to get this
1: space eater and dominate people on the defensive line. That's Somehow it? we were able to fill up 24 minutes of podcast time with absolutely nothing. You're underestimating. You keep saying there's
0: a dearth. Maybe this speaks to my uh, my sickness, but there's plenty
1: of stuff out there.
0: We could talk about Le'Veon for another hour if you'd like.
1: <laughs> I think the Please fans have voted. Uh, today marks the day that a new coach can begin the regular season off-season workout program. April 16th, clubs with returning head coaches may begin off-season workout programs. That's right. news. Uh, that NFL news. Draft is coming up April 26th. We have about uh, three weeks, a little bit more until that happens. And I think uh, we have a brand new set of facts to analyze. Oh, you know and then what we're I want also going to gonna mock the mocks. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we will mock the mocks because we are smart. And we come in here at the end of the offseason after some of these people have been studying all year. Actually, a lot of those big media guys, they're not even watching tape. They're just listening to word around the NFL, and they're saying things about people, and there's really no rhyme or reason to them. Now, we're not, we're not draft experts, okay? Like, we have jobs, and I'm a, basically a full-time job and full-time musician at the same time. I don't have all year to watch a tape. We kind of come in here in the offseason and see – who the big names are and see who the middle tier names are. And then I go through and I watch tape on these guys and develop my own opinion and just tell you who I think will be good for the Steelers. But, you know, we're not in the film room all year long for this thing. But I think at least a couple of these guys that we have mentioned throughout the weeks on our draft preview are going to get picked up by the Steelers. All right. I think I've narrowed down the first round pick to either – Rashawn Evans, who looks it looks likely that he might be able to fall to the Steelers, the middle linebacker from Alabama. Justin Reed, everybody's favorite safety from Stanford, even though they didn't go to his pro day. And Jesse Bates, the safety, the ball hawk from uh, Wake Forest. So I think I wanted to give more detail on why I think each position would be valuable. I mean, I think the first two are obvious, the safety and the linebacker. We just need them. Defensive line isn't a crying need. But out of any position, in the NFL, you can never really have too much of an embarrassment of riches there, especially since you want to rotate the guys. So just think about it that way. If they take one early, it doesn't fill a crying need, but it could be encouraging. Like, wow, maybe we could dominate people in the trenches.
1: The trick will be for us to pick the seventh round pick. So we'll be going to Vegas with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's Frazier. He, I'm telling you,
0: it's done deal. You already had a dinner high. with Stevis.
1: He's going high. high oh, seventh, Fraser! Basically. I was thinking, no, no, Fort Hayes. What's Fort Hayes? It's a school. Man, I've never heard of Fort Hayes before. Do you think they go to East Mississippi Community College? Did you see the the show that I told you to I bet watch? You Last Chance. What's U? it called? Last Chance You. Right. Last Chance You. It's where whatever you said. Division one athletes who can't get into Division one or Division one athletes who got kicked out of Division one for various reasons go to rehab. Right. And uh, it's interesting. I followed the the show for two seasons. And if you watch, watch the guys on there and go on to the rosters of Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, they end up going into Division One. It's, it's, it's a fascinating story. Highly recommend. Yeah, I'm sure if Last they the manpower,
0: you. They, they throw them out there. You know, somebody checks out that place throughout the course of the year. Maybe somebody in the Steelers scouting department has a relationship with them, especially if they have such a high profile like that. And I'm sure they are in contact
1: I don't think they go to that community college because these guys are still huge question marks, you know, character question marks and commitment question marks. Anyway, yeah, fun maybe show to Yeah, they have a coach there
0: though, who gives them a heads up
1: like, hey, this guy looks like
0: he's, I mean, he's going to be a baller. He, Alabama's already looking at him. It's a done deal. True. You know,
1: whatever. Hey, we are striving to make this show as informative and entertaining as possible, and we'd love to get your feedback. We know it's not the top of your list, but if you can give us a rating on uh, – it's not iTunes. I guess it's iTunes or Apple Podcasts, but leave us a rating on your app. I'm no, sure it's, it's right there. It's iTunes. It's still iTunes. So we would yeah. also like to talk to you directly in some way. So please follow us on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. You can leave a note on our website at our at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So we'll be here again next week. Uh, so until then thanks for listening go Steelers
0: okay bye bye
2: there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables ooh yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events